chance to regroup, but here's Dest! Oh! Just like his first goal for the US! Back against Jamaica earlier in the year! It's another thunderbolt from Serginio Dest! It's an amazing feeling, you know, because um, it's it's in a really important goal and yeah, it was a really nice goal. So it's an amazing feeling, you know, like at that moment I was just happy. I was so happy, you know, also because we were one uh, zero down. So it was really important. We work as a team, you know, we we like bros for each other, you know, and I think that's 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 very important to to um, compete on the highest level and to, to win games because Football doesn't have to be always like a nice possession game and stuff. You know, the, the points are the most important. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Skolarsip. It is Saturday and the international window for October is closed. And it was a good window for the U.S. men's national team. Two wins from three matches, six points and a hold on second place. In the untagged no standings three points behind Mexico and obviously you don't love being second place to Mexico if you're if you're a US fan or if you're the US men's national team but look it was a solid window two good performances sandwiching a forgettable and ugly and pitiful performance against Panama and Wednesday's win was a big one against Costa Rica. A great, great win. Great comeback. Not the best start, but you love the finish. And uh, I was there in Columbus. I was at Lord.com Field. Great crowd. Beautiful building. Columbus has not lost its mojo as a national team city. Soccer city. It is a soccer town. And it does have a pro soccer team. Contrary to what some folks in Columbus apparently think. But not to get on a tangent here. We have enough to talk about. But the U.S. men, how about the comeback? You give up a goal in the first minute. And you rally and show your quality. And it was a young team. We knew that. We've been waiting to see when the full young, young, young squad would take the field. And yes, it took a pregame injury to Paul Ariola to get Tim Weah in the starting lineup. But it happened. Tim Weah started. And uh, we saw the type of lineup that I think a lot of U.S. fans have been hoping to see, have been wanting to see. Now, it wasn't the start anyone had hoped for. Obviously, you give up that goal in the first minute, but the response was great. And I'm not going to go from minute one on. We can just talk about the, the overall of it. Now, look, Costa Rica, they're an older team. They're an aging team. They do have some quality. They still have some players who've got some quality to them, but they're an older team. They're a team that, let's face it, they aren't what they used to be. And going into this octagonal, I didn't have them qualifying. Just because they, you know, they, they've had a generation of players who've gotten older. And they really haven't brought along the next generation. They don't have those early 20s, let alone teenage standouts coming in to replace the Brian Ruiz's and Celso Borges's and the Joel Campbell's. They, they just don't have it. So you kind of saw that. On Wednesday. Now I'll give the Tico some credit. They started well. They showed some good fight. But once the U.S. got locked in. And once that young and talented team started to click. You really started to see what what the possibilities are with this team. 
And uh, right off the bat, Serginho Des, what a performance. Scores the golazo, the wonder goal, to tie it up. He's got two goals for the national team, both of them golazos. And then he helps up. He helps set up the game winner, which is credited as an own goal. But let's face it, we all know that was Tim Weah's goal, and it should be. And I don't know if they've changed it back yet by now, but they should. They should give Tim Weah that goal every single day of the week. But that's really, you know, he did his thing. And he had a much better October than September when you talk about the windows. And September was a rough one. He, you know, he, he obviously was terrible against El Salvador. He, it's like he wasn't taking it seriously. And then against Canada, he just he had his hands full and just got really, you know, taken to the cleaners by by Canada's speed, Fonzo Davies. And look, it's the, he's not the first; he won't be the last to, to get beaten for pace by Alfonso Davies. But it was a rough September, and you can kind of tell you could tell in the Jamaica game, the Dest came into this window focused and ready to kind of to atone for September. And actually, I asked him about that after the match. Like, you know, did that September make you kind of eager to come back and, and do your thing in October and show what you can do? And and he did that. He did it against Jamaica. And then he took it another level and did it against Costa Rica. Now, he wasn't the only player to, to, to perform. The other player who was kind of the big storyline in this match, Yunus Musa. And I'll be the first to say, I was surprised that he started, if only because he had started the first two games. Second game against uh, Panama, he starts, he only plays 45. It was a rough game. He, he didn't have a great game. But nobody had a great game. The midfield was terrible. He was part of that. But you could, argue, you could definitely argue that the other, the other midfielders were worse. And the other midfielders were, were part of the reason he couldn't really get his thing going. And clearly that's what Berhalter saw, that Berhalter saw, look, you know what, if I put him back on the field, put him with Weston McKinney, put him with Tyler Adams, put him next to Serginho Dest, he, we will see all the qualities that he has. So he gave Musa a third straight start, and Musa responds with his best performance in a U.S. men's national team uniform. Showed off all his quality, his, his strength on the ball, his clean touches, his passing, all of it. And I thought it was so fitting that on the night where he has his best match and where everyone can kind of see, look, this is the guy. He's probably, you have to start him when he's on that level. When he's in form, when he's getting minutes, he you got to get him on the field. And I thought it was very fitting that he has that performance on a night when another person who was in the building was Darlington Nagby. And the reason I bring it up is because it's pretty clear some people are still pining for Donton Nagby or still want to talk about Nagby as, oh, he's, you know, is he the, you know, is he one of the best still in the pool? Should Berhalter be calling him still to be on the team? And look, no, that ship sailed. Donton Nagby, very, very, very good player. One of the better midfielders in MLS, no question. But he made his decision a long time ago not to play for the United States. He just doesn't want to do it. It's not a big deal to him. And that's his right, his choice. If he doesn't want to play for the national team, if he wants to you know, spend as much time with his family as possible, beautiful family. You got a lot of kids, you, you want to stay with them, you know? And not every player sees the whole national team thing as, as something they have to do. And my, my, if anything, if I have any issue with the whole Darrington Nagby kind of narrative when it comes to the national team is that it's really, he has really become this, he's become mythologized as if he was this, 
unbelievable player for the national team when he never was. He never really got to fulfill the potential. We all knew about the potential. We all saw the possibilities and we all hoped, look, the day would come that he would step in with the national team and become this dominant figure in the midfield, in the heart of the U.S. midfield. But it never really happened. He had some opportunities. He had some moments, but he never really did it. Yet here we are years later, and it's still a conversation. It's still something some people want to bring up. But here we are. Fast forward. New generation. 18-year-old Yunus Musa, who looks every bit like the player people were hoping Darlington Agby would be. And I, you know, I'll be the first to say I hate comparing players. I'm not, I'm not someone who normally does. But in this instance, it's just the way, the way it all kind of comes together on this Wednesday in Columbus. Yunus Musa just has this great game. He shows his strength on the ball, his his quality on the turn, all with Darnton Agby in the stands watching. You know, you, and there's similarities there, obviously. And the side, and and not just for the fact that you know these are two players uh, with you know African backgrounds, the, their parents, uh, both midfielders, quality on the ball, midfielders. Both with million dollar smiles, you know. There's some com- there's some common ground there when you talk about the two of them. You can kind of make those comparisons. But point is, Eunice Moose is here now, and he is the real deal. He has the ability to be something special, and this is just the first step. This is just the first step. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, finally, the U.S. is going to have a world class midfield." No, none of that. Moose is Moose is a good player, and he showed it. And consider this the first step. This October window. Because obviously now he's played in official matches, he's cap tied, he's all in. He is a U.S. men's national team player, and he will be. And it's a bright future when you look at what he can do and how he fits in, and how already you see the chemistry between him and the midfielders, and between him and Dest. And he just—it's like he's been playing with these guys forever. So that was great to see. Now, another player I want to talk about, I have to talk about, is Weston McKinney because I have found it very interesting. How many people want to sit here and talk about how, uh, that he didn't have a good game, that he, you know, he had some, tur- he had a lot of turnovers? And I'm sorry, look, I am sorry, folks. We will agree to disagree on what he meant to this game because he meant a lot to this game. Weston McKinney was absolutely one of the most important people on this night in Columbus and helping this U.S. team win this game. It's it's not not even a question. For those who don't remember, at the beginning of this game, the U.S. gives up that first-minute goal, and for about the first 15 minutes, the U.S. is struggling to get a hold of this game. Costa Rica's got the confidence from the early, early goal. The U.S. is the U.S. as a team is trying to find its footing, and the player who stepped up in that kind of in that moment, in that moment of uncertainty, Weston McKinney, and Weston McKinney took control of this game. Weston McKinney was dominant. Did he have some turnovers? Yes. But when the game was in the balance, when the U.S. was struggling to get a hold of it, before they completely took control and dominated this game in the second half, in the first half, Weston McKinney was absolutely leading the charge. He was all over the field. He was hitting on all of his long passes. He was showing everything. You could tell the way he was playing that he was locked in and he was determined and he just he was hitting a gear, a gear that that we saw in the Nations League final. Difference is, obviously, in the Nations League final, he got those goals that he scored. But it's the same idea when the team needed someone to grab the game by the neck. McKinney did that and he helped set the tone for the U.S. taking over this game. Now, he didn't carry the team. But he sparked the team. He helped the team get through that early stretch. 
And then obviously he has those moments where he can get a little sloppy with the ball and he, and he didn't, you know, he had his share of turnovers here and there, but he had so much of the ball. He is going to have turnovers. If you have 120 touches and you're not necessarily the cleanest player and he's not, he will try some things. They won't come off. He'll hit passes that don't make, don't hit the mark. Absolutely. But don't let that confuse you into somehow ignoring all of the work he did. All of the recovery, 16 recoveries, game high, 16 recoveries, almost 50% more than the next highest total. He hit on, I believe, 10 of 11 long passes. He was dropping dimes from distance, helping unsettle that Costa Rica setup. And I just don't know how, I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I, you know, some people see things differently. And I think some people maybe just don't like, you know, maybe you're just not. The way you you absorb the game, the way you you know kind of evaluate players. Look, I didn't say he was the best player on the night, but in terms of importance, in terms of what he did at key moments in that game, he was in, like unbelievably valuable and unbelievably important in that win. And that's why I gave him all the props because I'm not going to sit here and because of a couple of turnovers say, oh wow, like you know, he was terrible because he hit on a few the, the few of these passes that didn't come off in the final third. Meanwhile, he broke up. I don't know how many sequences by Costa Rica and I don't know how many switch passes he hit from distance to help unlock Costa Rica. I mean, don't listen, folks, don't let a turnover here or there distract you into being that being what you remember. Pay attention. Watch every play. Watch every moment and absorb it. Because if you, honestly, if, if you sit there, anyone who has time wants to sit there and really watch a game, really watch, just watch Weston McKinney for that 90 minutes. The amount of work he did, especially in that first half, I don't know how anyone could not give him credit for being a big part of that game. I just don't. Opinions will vary. But I give McKinney a ton of credit on that one. Now, I'm not going to get into every player because, you know, it'll be a two-hour-long show. But a couple of guys I did want to touch on and give some credit to. Number one, Ricardo Pepe. No, he didn't score a goal. Uh, his, you know, he eventually it was going to dry up, right? Eventually, he, he had to stop. He couldn't score every single game. But he really showed some good qualities. His hold-up play, his passing you just see the mobility. You see the you see the intelligence really in terms of where to be and in terms of just being a kind of a being a dynamic threat. He is the guy. He is the number one striker in the pool right now. Apologies to Jordan Pifak. Apologies to Josh Sargent. You have to take a back seat because Pepe's the guy. As long as he's fit, as long as he's continuing to play, he is the guy. And I think in that game, even though he didn't score in this game. He showed those qualities that you have to love and qualities that are going to fit in like amazingly once you have the full squad, once you have Christian Pulisic, once you have Gio Reyna. I mean, I can't wait to see Pepe play with those guys. And we'll see when that happens, but hopefully it'll be in November. But it's his job. Pepe's the guy. He's the striker, number one. And another player who played and made his World Cup qualifying debut on Wednesday, Chris Richards. Now, he had a, I'd say he had an okay game. He didn't have to do a ton. Miles Robinson did the heavy lifting in terms of the the defenders there, in terms of the center backs. Miles Robinson had a great game. But Chris Richards, I wanted to highlight just because it's a first step. First qualifier, didn't put a foot wrong, did well with his passing. He He showed some glimpses. And I, I just think people, I hope people put put it in the right perspective in that this is his first qualifier. Good first step. Is he ready to be the guy? I wouldn't go that far. 
I still say John Brooks is, it's still Brooks and Robinson for me. Come November, healthy John Brooks, Brooks is your guy for now. But if there's no Brooks, if he's hurt or, you know, if he's not playing, he did start today. This is Saturday, and, and he did start. Uh, Wolfsburg lost, but he did start. He played. But if for some reason Brooks isn't available or for some reason he's not playing and there's concerns about fitness or what have you, Chris Richards, I mean, he – I know you have other options. I know you have Mark McKenzie. I know you have Walker Zimmerman. You have Matt Miazga in the pool as well. Chris Richards should be your guy, and it's time to start investing in him. When you can, he needs to be the next in line. If it, anytime Brooks or Miles Robinson are not available, for me, he's your number three. If you're talking center back list, he's number three. And no, he didn't dominate against Costa Rica. No, he wasn't, you know, this just jaw dropping presence, but he did everything he had to do. He was steady. He looked comfortable for a first qualifier. You know what? He's he was he did his thing and it's a good first step. So we'll see. We'll see if he can, you know, if Berhalter sees it that way. And if come November, if for, for whatever reason you don't have your top two, he should be the, the next one to get the call. But overall, big win for the for the U.S. And it is going to be interesting to see what happens once you have the full squad who starts. And, I, and, and honestly, I don't think this is a question, really. When it comes down to it, Brendan Aronson's been playing well. He didn't he didn't have the best game against Costa Rica, but he if, you, if you're talking about who's going to sit out of that group, Brendan Aronson is going to sit. That's what it comes down to, because you for me, you're not going to touch that midfield of McKinney, Musa and Adams if they're available. That's your mid. That's your three in the middle. And then on the front three, Pulisic, Pepe, Reina. Period. That's your front three. All hands on deck. Everyone's available. That is your front three. You have Aronson off the bench. You have way off the bench. You have those guys available to start. If, if, if for whatever reason, Reina or Pulisic still aren't healthy in November. And as of right now, as of today, Saturday, neither of them have re- returned from injury. They both they both have missed their, their team's matches this weekend. So they're still injured. But they're working their way back. The good news is there's depth. You should feel good if Brendan Aronson has to step in and start. And Tim Weah, I think he showed against Costa Rica that, yes, he can do the job if you put him in. If he starts, but any questions about who about McKinney, Musa, and Adams? That's write them in pen right now. That's your that's your midfield three. Period. Anyone who honestly thinks that Weston McKinney isn't starting against Mexico is crazy. He's fit. He's available. He is going to start. Period. It's not even a question. Musa, he is going to start. Adams, he is going to start. So I'd say at this point, the front six is if they're all healthy and available, that's going to be a front six. Against Mexico and the back four, Robinson and Des, Anthony Robinson and De, and and Sergio Des are your fullbacks. Miles Robinson is your center back. John Brooks for me is it's not even a question. I know the September wasn't a great September for him, and I know it's been a bit of a challenging season for him so far for Wolfsburg. But I'm I'm sorry that that showing against Honduras, he was terrible. He was terrible against Honduras. He was shaky against Canada. I don't for me that alone doesn't suddenly erase everything he did before that. It doesn't. He has had bad games for the U.S. in his career, yes. But he's also had many very good games. And John Brooks at his best is still the best center back in the pool, period. So if he's fit, if he's playing, he's your starter next to Miles Robinson. And then obviously the question in goal, Matt Turner is your goalkeeper, period. And it's interesting because guess who started today? For Manchester City, 
Yes, Zach Steffen. And I know there were some questions about the decision to start Steffen over Turner against Costa Rica. Totally reasonable questions because Matt Turner, with the form that he'd been in, the fact that Steffen had been playing, and then the first-minute goal, it didn't look great for Steffen, even though I think he was shielded. I don't think he saw the shot because the player that was right in front of him was blocking his view. In my opinion, just from seeing the camera, different camera angles, it looked like Stefan couldn't see the shot until it was too late. And the player in front of him was not offside because Sergio Des was on the end line, for those who missed that replay. But for me, Matt Turner's the guy. Now, look, if something happened with Ederson, if Ederson is, is going to miss time and Zach Stefan gets a run of game starting for Manchester City, that's different. Then at that point, you could have a question. Because then at that point, Stefan is, is playing games. But if Zach Stefan's not playing games, Matt Turner's your guy. Period. I don't know. It's not even a question. For me, it's not even a question. Matt Turner's your guy. So that's what we should see against Mexico. I, I hadn't intended to do a little projection on who the U.S. plays against Mexico. But that, there you go. We're a month away. Plenty can change in the next month. Whether it's injuries people needing to return from injuries, a lot can happen. But if you're curious about what that lineup should be, that should be your lineup, the one I just mentioned. And the great part about it, if you're a U.S. fan, is that there are some very good options in case any of them can't go. I mean, you you know, you have Jordan Pifak, who, can bring in, who you can bring in. You have um, Gianluca Busio, who came out against Costa Rica and looked amazing. He could start if you need him to start. So it's good to have options. And that's what the team has right now. They have some options. And World Cup qualifying is wrapped for October. And in CONCACAF, Mexico leads the way. U.S. is second. Canada is third. And how about Canada? 4-1 romp over Panama. And Panama scored first. That's the crazy part. Panama scores first. Canada in Toronto on the ropes a little bit. And then Alfonso Davies puts on the Superman cape. He's an unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. Fun to watch. Unless he's, not, unless he's playing against your team. He's fun to watch. And that Canada team is something else. They still have their flaws, I think. I think defensively, they're, they're a bit weak defensively. But their attack is so dynamic, they're going to keep anybody on their heels. And that U.S.-Canada game in wherever it's going to be in January is going to be something else. I can't wait. I don't know if it's going to be Vancouver. I don't know if it's going to be Toronto. Wherever that game is, it's going to be something special. But Canada's in third. They're holding down that position. Three points ahead now of Panama. And that's your top three. Mexico, U.S., Panama. I I mean, Mexico, U.S., Canada. That's your top three. And I think that's going to be your top three. And if anything, the gap's going to widen from the top three down to, you know, talking Panama. You're talking Costa Rica, El Salvador, Jamaica. Jamaica's awakened now and starting to get get some points. So it's going to be an interesting race for that fourth spot. But the top three is going to be the top three. I, I just, you know, I just don't see, I just see that three pulling away. Mexico beat El Salvador and that, in, in El Salvador. That's a good win for Mexico. A little side note for U.S. fans, Nestor Araujo, the defender for Mexico, was issued a red card, which means he will miss the match against the United States. So that's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, the, uh, Mexico has Cesar Montes, and they have Hector Moreno, and, that, as, and those two will likely be, if they're healthy, that's your center back tandem for Mexico without Araujo. But I think they're going to miss Araujo, especially you know, with someone like Pepe, with his, his, you know, di- his quickness. That, it's it's going to be a good matchup. 
Because between Montez and Moreno, you're not talking about the fleetest of foot center backs, not the quickest center backs. So something to keep an eye on. And then obviously Jamaica beats Honduras, and Honduras is in dead last place in the octagonal, and they have fired their coach. For those who are wondering, whoa, who would be the coach to get fired? It's Fabian Coito. He's out. And uh, Hernan Dario Gomez, Bolillo Gomez, is the new Honduras manager. And look, he's a good manager. He's guided many a team to a World Cup. So I think he's going to be able to do some things. Because that Hondur- for me, that Honduras team has some talent. Do I think they're a top three team? No, I don't care who I don't care who you make the manager. They're not a top three team. But will they push for fourth? Can they get off the mat and push for fourth? It's possible, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. They're in a bit of a hole, obviously. But they've got talent. They've got Elise. They've got Lozano. They got Andy Nahar, re- rejuvenated Andy Nahar. But they need to go find some other options in in terms of their defense because Maynard Figueroa is ninety eight years old and he just can't do it anymore. He got a red card in this game, in their most recent game. He's just, it's its done. He's cooked. You need to go find some younger, quicker options if you're Honduras and you're going to have any chance in the octagonal. Moving on, we have to talk Americans abroad. And as I mentioned earlier, Zach Steffen started in goal as Manchester City posted their victory on Saturday. Ederson obviously was on international duty with Brazil. And that gave the opportunity for Zach Steffen to get the start against Burnley 2-0 win for them on Saturday. And a nice week for Steffen. I mean, he gets the win in Columbus, his old stomping grounds. And then three days later, he's in goal and has himself you know, pretty solid game. He obviously wasn't going to have much to do against Burnley with Manchester City. You knew they would dominate. Save goalkeeper saves. He made two saves. So it wasn't like he was that busy. But still, first Premier League start of the season, he gets a shutout. He gets a win. So that's a good one. Good week for Zach Steffen. Josh Sargent, good news, he started again, which you love to see that he's doing enough to get into that Norwood City starting lineup. The bad news is he's still not scoring goals. And he had a golden opportunity in their match against Brighton. Couldn't put it away, and they had to settle for a 0-0 draw, and that's a, that's a killer. If you're Zach Steffen, if, you, if you're Josh Sargent, You've got to put away your chances. You have to for so many reasons, not only for your club and not only for, uh, you know, hope, you know, trying to get Norwich out of the relegation zone and and try to keep Norwich up, number one. But also if you're going to have any chance of reviving your 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 claim to the starting role with the U.S. men's national team, you got to start scoring for your club, period. And and right now the sergeant's just not finding a net and. I don't know. Will he will he get called in in November? I mean, if he's continuing to start for Norwood City, you have to think he's got a chance there. Obviously, Zardes is someone who's in the picture. I know a lot of fans, you know, outside of Columbus want no part of Jesse Zardes with the national team, but he knows the system. Berhalter's a fan. He is going to be in the competition, obviously, along with Jordan Pifak and potentially with Daryl DK as well. Let's not forget about Daryl DK if he is on a run, if he's scoring goals for Orlando City, he's in the conversation. And of course, you have Matthew Hoppy, who is, you know. Can play striker, can play winger. He's in the picture as well. So, big competition. If you're Josh Sargent, if you want to stay in the conversation, you need to start scoring goals, period. And one player who has had an amazing week is Anthony Robinson. And let's break it down for you. So, he starts two games for the United States. They win both. He got an SBI profile. I wrote a feature on him. That's You know he loved that. That's in the top three of his moments of the week. I'm just kidding. Uh and then he announces that he's having a baby. Congratulations, Mr. Robinson. He's having a baby. He announced it. Baby doing in December. 
And then he caps it all off, scores a goal for Fulham in a big win for them against QPR. Big win, big goal right at the end. He does the baby celebration with the like the baby the, the baby stomach thing where you put the ball in the shirt. He didn't do the flip. He didn't do the cartwheel, the backflip, whatever you want to call it. He should have see. He should have did the baby bump and then the flip with the baby bump. That would have been epic. I don't know if you can even do that. I don't know, but it would have been great. But still, what a week. Anthony Robinson, he's your if you, he's your U.S. left back, period. I thought he was solid against Costa Rica. Created some chances. He did his thing. He is the guy. And it's a pretty big gap between him and anyone else in the conversation, period, at left back for the United States. So big win for him. Big goal for him. Big week for him. So congrats to him. Now, the bad news on the Americans abroad front, still no Christian Pulisic, still no Giorina, still waiting. The good news is now you have, a, if you're, in, from the U.S. standpoint, the good news is you got some time now. You got a month. You got three weeks technically before camp starts. So there's time for those two, those two to recover, to get on the field for their clubs, and to start building up some match fitness in order for them to potentially be available to start against Mexico. And you obviously want Christian Pulisic's Giorena in the lineup against Mexico in Cincinnati in November. If you're going to beat Mexico, you need both those guys. Period. Mexico's in a good run of form now. They've got everybody back. You've got Lozano. You've got Jimenez, Tecatito, Herrera, Alvarez. Their squad is is roll, is set right now. Their squad is 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 locked in. And they're the favorites right now. They're, when you look at just the fact how close they are to just kind of, you know, with the veteran team that they have and the, and the way they're playing, they're the favorites to finish first in the octagonal. But then again, they were the favorites to win the Nations League. So we will see what happens in Cincinnati. But obviously you need Pulisic and Reyna to get back in action. Next up, we are talking MLS. And the MLS season is wind, the regular season. Next, we are talking MLS, and the MLS regular season is winding to a close. Most teams have about six matches to go. And obviously, playoff positions are still being sorted out. They're being fought for. And we're going to find out a lot in this final race here to the finish line. And it's, it's going to be a real test for some of these teams, especially with these condensed schedules and having to play you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. Teams with the depth are going to be able to maintain, and I think you're going to see some other teams who don't have the depth fade down the stretch. And this weekend's MLS schedule has some serious playoff implications. And we're obviously recording, I'm recording this midday Saturday, so this is dropping before, actually this is dropping after the Montreal Philly game. No Andre Blake for Philly. We don't know who won that game, but we won't get into it since obviously this is going to come out after that, so I'm not going to sit here and give, make you a prediction for them. I mean, I always gonna, I'm always going to pick Philly, even though they don't have Andre Blake. But we'll get into all the games after that. And we start with LAFC San Jose. And LAFC, obviously, uh, Carlos Vela, they're still working on him to get back. Eduardo Tuesta's still working to get back. Two of their, their two, arguably their two best players. Even without their two best players, I still like them at home. They're actually minus 200 against San Jose. If you like a long shot, San Jose at plus 460, biggest, they're the second biggest underdog of the round at plus 460. Huge number. No respect for the earthquakes. And if you're playing an LAFC, LAFC team without Vela, without Atuesta, 
I don't know. That's a you know what? That San Jose plus four sixty is a pretty enticing price if you like those long shots. But I'll go LAFC minus two hundred. I'm taking LAFC. Next up, Columbus Crew hosting Inter Miami. Crew at home. They're trying to make their playoff push, obviously, and they are currently six points out, six points behind Montreal. So they have a shot. Six points out, six games to go. They have no room for error. They have to win every game, pretty much. Win every game and hope they can leapfrog the Red Bulls and Atlanta, who are ahead of them. And that's just to try to catch a Montreal or NYCFC or DC United. All those teams are tied on 40 points. And I think it's a good bet. At least one of those teams will fall short, if not two. I don't think all three will fall short. I think two of those three absolutely could fall short from the playoff race and getting back to it, the Columbus crew, I'm going to take the crew minus 145 over inter Miami. The air is out of the balloon with Miami. They are currently eight points out. No momentum They're, I think they're toast. I think they're toast. The playoff, they had that nice run. You started to think, okay, maybe this is going to happen. But then obviously in recent weeks, they've just really, they've just lost it. And I know there's all the talk about questionable calls and calls going their way. And then, and then Phil Neville famously saying that they were cheated. And it's like, whoa, I know he didn't use the C word with his team of all teams. I thought that was funny, obviously. And he had to, you know, clarify and apologize for using that wording, which was unfortunate. But Miami's toast. So I'm going to go crew minus 145. Then you have New England on their march to the Supporters Shield. They're the biggest favorite of the round, obviously. You're at home, minus 260 against the Fire team. That's terrible on the road. Chicago Fire plus 500 on the road. Biggest dog by far. And it's for a reason. They're terrible on the road. They're playing the best team in the league at their place. Don't throw away your money. Fire play, uh, the fire at plus 500, don't go in. I don't care how big that number is. Don't go for it. If you don't want to play the revs at minus 260, too big a number, it's not worth the price. Don't do it. But I think the revs, revs are a pretty safe bet. If anything, if you want to you know, look at the over, I think the revs could have a field day. I think the revs could put up put up some serious numbers. They could put. It, it, I don't know what the over-under is on this game, but you might want to play the over. Uh, or if you want to buy yourself some, you know, some spread by giving them a plus, you know, plus one goal or what, or what have you, take the reps, take the reps all day. Next up, TFC playing host to Atlanta United. Obviously, TFC has started to turn it on, but it's way too little, way too late. They are way, they're, they're toast. They're, they're not in the playoff picture, but they've now started to win some games, so they can play spoiler. And they're playing an Atlanta team that is currently one point out of playoff position. Right there. They're right on the edge. They're a good team. But going to Toronto is not easy right now with Toronto playing the way that they're playing. So that's the question. Atlanta's at plus 195. That's a decent number. But they've kind of started to slump a bit. So you wonder, you know, can they pull it out against Toronto? I'm going to go Toronto plus 115 just because of the form that they've been on. That they, they're really locked in. And even though they're not really in the, they're not in the playoff picture, they are going to play spoiler. And I think they're going to be the spoiler against Atlanta. Next up, FC Cincinnati plus one eighty five at home against Orlando City, and Orlando City's right now. They're, right now, they're in fourth place in the in the East. They're trying to hold on to that top four spot. They don't want to, you know DC to move ahead of them or any of the those teams behind them that are all just two points back right now. But I gotta like Orlando City. 
Give me Orlando City plus 125. Uh, as you can tell, if you pay attention to these picks every every weekend, I never pick Cincinnati, and I just I just don't see it happening here either. I think Orlando City plus 125. Give me Orlando City all day. I don't care if it is in Cincinnati. Next up, DC United at home against Nashville. And DC, obviously, we know they're a good home team. But they're only plus 110, which I think is a little bit of respect to Nashville. Nashville at plus 230, I really like it. Orlando City is my best bet, by the way. Orlando City at plus 125, my best bet of these underdog picks. And I've got a few underdog picks. Nashville, plus 230, on the road. DC's good in home. DC United's good at home, but... Nashville at plus 230 is too good a price for me to pass up. I'm going to go Nashville. Even though they could potentially be missing some players coming back from international duty, give me Nashville SC at plus 230. Another interesting one is the Houston Dynamo playing host to the Seattle Sounders now. You might think Houston, Seattle. You take Seattle all day. However, the Sounders missing several key players. They're missing Lodero. They're missing Ra- uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz, potentially missing Christian Roldan, although I think Roldan should be back from international duty. But I still think they have enough of a winning mentality there, enough quality there. They still have Schmetzer as the coach. Sounders at plus 175, I like that price. No offense to Houston. I know Houston's been doing a a little better. Houston at plus 135, they're at home. But I'm going to go Seattle. I like Seattle, just that number. How do you not take the Sounders at plus 175? I know they're missing some of their best, best players. But still, I still think they have too much quality there. Give me Seattle. Next, Austin FC at home, plus 130 against Minnesota United. Minnesota United has been playing the greatest lately, but plus 170. That feels like an enticing one for me. Minnesota as a dog. Obviously, Minnesota pushing for a playoff spot. That's a, you know, they if, if they want to hold on. Right now, Minnesota's in seventh place. They have the final playoff spot. They are currently one point ahead of Vancouver, four points ahead of LAFC. So they cannot afford to lose this game in Austin. And I know Austin's had a bit of a rough year, obviously expansion team, things haven't gone their way, but they have shown at times that they can be very dangerous at home. So that's a bit of a trap one. I would stay away from this one. You know what? Give me the tie. Give me plus 240, Austin, Minnesota, the draw. I was going to pick Minnesota, but their form hasn't been great lately. Give me the draw, Austin, Minnesota. Next, RSL and Colorado. This is an interesting one because right now, the Rapids are third in the West, and there's a huge gap between fourth place Portland and RSL. Not huge, it's a seven point gap. There's a seven point gap. If you're RSL, RSL is only two points, uh, two points from safety right now. RSL has a playoff spot. They're fifth right now. They're fifth in the West, but with a loss and with a couple other results, they could actually fall out of the top seven. So I'm going to go Rapids. Even though RSL is tough at home, RSL plus one fifty five at home. That's a, that's that's an appealing one. I'm still going to go Rapids. I just like the Rapids. I just like the Rapids, especially against RSL. So give me the Rapids in the Rocky Mountain. Uh, what is it? The Rocky Mountain Classico, Rock Rocky Mountain Derby, whatever it's called. Give me the Rapids at plus one fifty five. And last but certainly not least, LA Galaxy at home. They're minus one twenty. And they're another one. They're on the fringes of the playoff race. They're currently two points ahead of the Whitecaps. They're currently in sixth place. And they're playing a Portland Timbers side that's in fourth place comfortably. They haven't been the best at home. I mean, they haven't been the best on the road. But, I don't know, Portland at plus 250. 
is a big number. And I originally was going to take the Galaxy, but I think I'm going to go the Timbers. The Timbers at plus 250. That price is just hard to pass up for me. Is good, you know. Portland's a good team, and giving and at that price, I got to go Portland. So give me Portland. They've won five. They had five road wins. That's not among the best, but it's not terrible. So I'm gonna go Portland. Give me Portland plus two fifty against the Galaxy. And I think that wraps it up. I think we've covered everything that that uh, we I wanted to touch on. Obviously, the men's national team. You had Americans abroad. Uh, we'll get back rolling this week, uh, t- catching up on. The player pool, I do want to get into the U.S. men's national team player pool a bit. And uh, hopefully we can get a guest or two this week, see how many episodes we can drop. But it's uh, interesting times right now. Interesting times at SBI. We have uh, finalized our move. We are going to be moving off of the USA Today Sports Network. And we are going to have our own independent platform. Uh, There's more to come on that. The uh, SBI is changing in some ways. You'll see come November 1st, we're going to have some changes uh, and hopefully things get better. Hopefully it's a, you know, we can improve the site and, and it'll, it'll be a better experience. And it's, uh, I'll have more on that, uh, in the coming days and weeks. Stay tuned for that. And it's it was also a big Friday for me because I have finalized my contract with CBS. I've been working with CBS for, for a while now, but pen to paper, uh, virtual paper, <laughs> pen to virtual paper deal done. I am now on team CBS sports working on their TV production side. And uh, it's been great. It's been great. And it's, and I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, continuing to the work on the projects there for those who, who watched our October coverage of, of world cup qualifying. Uh, if you got to see the Matt Turner piece we did, uh, I worked on that quite a bit and that was, that was fun to do. And Matt Turner uh, just, you know, just great story for those who, who are not aware, definitely go look it up. I tweeted it. I tweeted a, a link to the, to the piece, uh, to a, to a social media version of the piece. And uh, hopefully if you haven't seen it, check it out. Great stuff. Matt Turner's a great story, having an amazing year. When you think about it, breaking through with the national team is the starter. He's on the soon to be supporter shield winners and potential MLS cup favorites, new England revolution. All this from someone who was a backup college goalkeeper eight years ago. Think about that. I mean, just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And, it's all come come together, and he's in a great run of form. And you know what? All account, by all accounts, he should be the starter when the U.S. takes on Mexico in November. But uh, but yeah, so it's been fun working with CBS, and obviously between the CBS project, CBS Sports project, and e- the SBI revamp, it's been a month. And Friday was a heck of a day. A lot of stuff got finalized. And a lot of stuff got done. So stay tuned. Hopefully, big things ahead. And just for anyone listening who happens to be a writer, we are SBI is looking. We are looking for writers uh, in case you missed it. Yes, I have brought the staff back to SBI. My plans to go solo had to change with the CBS Sports deal. Uh, obviously, now that I'm, I'm working uh, with CBS Sports, uh, it, I have to change things up. And I have brought this. I have brought the nucleus of our SBI writing staff back. But I'm looking for more. I'm looking for more writers. I'm looking for more people to help with social media, video, what have you. If you're looking for a place to be somewhere you can learn and, you know, make some money and also hopefully get some exposure to help you move up and go to bigger sites. SBI should and will absolutely be the place to be. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for a place to work, hit me up. But that's all for now. I think uh, I think we've covered everything we got to, you know. We got a big week ahead. Uh, there should be plenty to talk about. We'll talk about what, what's going on on Sunday. Yunus Musa versus the Junior Dest. That's on Sunday. 
uh, Barcelona Valencia. So we'll talk about that. We'll get into all the weekend's MLS uh, MLS action, Americans abroad action, and yes, we will take a look at the U.S. Men's National Team. Get into the positions a bit. We will be dropping that on SBI. We had started positional rankings, but we will do them all in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Kalarsa. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>